Welcome to Solutions from the Huddle, powered by Collaborative Solutions Group. We're discussing meaningful business and life topics to add motivation to your life and value to your efforts. Our show is hosted by certified professional CSG coaches who are often hired for private coaching, corporate training, and speaking engagements. Now, enjoy the show. This is Solutions from the Huddle, and I am your host, Titus Bartolotta. Our show is powered by Collaborative Solutions Group. And if you are a regular listener, you already know that you're in for a treat. We have found another best friend of the show, a fantastically accomplished individual that'll add some great tips and tricks to your life to to really help move your life personally and professionally and advance the vision of where you're going. If you are a first-time listener, you probably need to say thank you to to whoever the person was that uh, told you about the show, right? Because you are in for a treat. You're going to get to take away so many great tips and tricks from today. You're going to get some motivation, some encouragement, but really you're going to get some insight and you're going to figure out how to go to market, how to go to life even uh, in a stronger and more effective way. I can't wait to introduce our guest for today's show, Uh, but we always start the show the same way. And that's just with a short, quick prayer. We'll do it this time. And then I can't wait to introduce our new best friend. So Lord, we just ask that you bless the show, our guest, our listeners, just every aspect of the program. And let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. Amen. All right, friends. So we have Ian uh, Moist on the program. He's the chief revenue officer for One Up Sales, and he has been an award-winning uh, sales professional and sales director in the UK. He's got more awards than I want to try to list and mess up. So I'll let him do that for us. But he's been listed in the top 50 sales keynote speakers uh, by Top Sales World in in, in just 2019. Uh, and so this is a, a juggernaut that we have on the program for you today. He's, uh, he's our new best friend. Ian, thanks so much for making time to come be with us today. Thanks, Titus. And, and, and no, no pressure or expectations set too high, right? Thanks. <laughs> That's right. Don't screw this up, okay? You're the best in the business. We've just told everyone. Uh, no, you've got so much experience. Really, your resume is impressive. The product and the brand that you represent is impressive. But I always like to start with um, just kind of tell, tell our audience a little bit about who you are and kind of where you came from, like just kind of the, the origin stories, right? As a superhero, I love origin stories. I want to know yours. To take sure. us to, to where you came from and, and how we got the pleasure to have you on our show today. Sure. So let, let, let's, let's keep it short and succinct, right? But I, I work in the technology space, got into computing at age 14 because a neighbor moved in who had a computer, which was very simple in those days. It wasn't what we, did, we, we all expect to do with today. And I was hooked from, from the minute I saw this thing. And that was it. I was blinking to, I want to work with this stuff. This is exciting. Don't even know where it will take us, but oh my God, what is this this wizardry? And uh, ended up working at IBM after college uh, as a programmer. So all I wanted to do is be a programmer, create code. And then two years into that, um, I saw salespeople in, in this in the technology sector with, hang on a minute, they get company cars, they get company <laughs> phones. At the time, a, a mobile phone at the time, for those who may not may or may not recognize this story was the biggest luxury because you couldn't afford one yourself because they were the size of a suitcase and boy were they ridiculously expensive it was pioneering technology but i saw this stuff and thought well i know what i'm talking about right i i've i've educated and trained on this stuff how hard can selling it be when you know what you're talking about so i i left ibm against all advice of, of my family and everything of hang on a minute you 
but but to join a small company that no one had ever heard of to do technology sales and i never looked back right so i i did inside sales the hard job of picking up the phone doing all the stuff where I, you know I, I was learning on the job didn't know what i was doing build sales management and and through the years continually have learned and expand i'm still learning today i always say to people you know you're not baked any salesperson i interview who thinks they know it all and are baked say well i'm not I'm not, and it's not about out saying where you should be. It's you're always learning. The world changes. The environment we we all deal with today is very different than it was even ten years ago. Certainly pre-pandemic, let alone post-pandemic. So you have to be agile. You have to learn, and and that's the sort of journey I've been on. Right, and I fell into cloud computing about sixteen years ago, and have never looked back because it's always that an exciting area of technology. It powers. So many things that we all take for granted in our everyday lives. So, you know, net, how many of you watch Netflix? Well, guess what? Without the cloud and all the wondrous innovations that have been, Netflix would not be powered into your home, streaming movies as it does. It just wouldn't be available, right? And we certainly wouldn't have had video conferencing for Zoom and Hangouts and, and Microsoft Teams during the pandemic. You wouldn't have had those tools at your, at your fingertips, affordable and just switch it on overnight that wouldn't have happened so cloud cloud powers so much of what we do but we don't we don't call it cloud we just turn something oh this is good this is a good application but behind it is this generic thing called cloud computing that that allows it all to happen so it's a really interesting area it's it's innovating and i don't think we've even started yet i i think we're going to see stuff in the next 10 years that's going to surpass all of our expectations how how much would you say um, that we have today was was what you expected and what you saw coming, right? And really, that's just a pre question to then a follow up that's going to say where are we going, right? So number one, I want to find out how good uh, your 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 lens has been in the past. But how much have you kind of saw ahead and said, yeah, this is what's possible, and then you you watched it come to be, uh, and then the follow up is going to be, what the hell are we in for? Like, what's coming next? Well, interestingly, and I'm not going to lay claim to being clever at it, but there was a book, you know, Bill Gates wrote a book a good 10 years ago that talked about we won't, we won't, we won't, we're not quite there yet, but it was, the philosophy was things like you won't have physical media, right? CDs and DVDs. It'll be about ownership retention of you, you, you've bought the right to watch a movie or to listen to music. You're paying for access but you don't need the physicality and look at look at spotify look at netflix right it hasn't that come true so all of this stuff a lot of it's been predicted but it was theory back then it was no one quite knew well how quick is it going to take off and also people were looking at it going yeah i, I can get it but is that really going to happen mm. because it wasn't tangible right it was theory it sounds great but there was no examples of it out there it wasn't really happening you think it wasn't so long ago that netflix and if you watch the documentary on Netflix that's available of you know it, how it came about and how it took on Blockbuster, Netflix was never designed to be what it is today. That 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 wasn't the, the vision of the founders. Their vision was just to do something, just just to do disrupt Blockbuster, right? Be a bit more flexible. You don't have to visit the store and you don't have to send to take it back so quickly and do it by the mail. And they they came in as a disruptor, but not a disruptor of using technology like we see today. And then they transformed as technology provided to actually there's a different way of doing this. And that's what we've ended up with. And 
who could have foreseen the one that, you know the one i couldn't have foreseen was netflix becoming a a major movie producer and um, powerhouse in production what where yeah. you know if you think about it, that's like blockbuster video saying well we're not just going to hire the movies we're going to go and make them we, we, mm-hmm. we'd, we'd, have, we'd have called them mad if we'd heard that from Blockbuster 20 years ago. But Netflix has done it. And, and they're now a powerhouse. I think, I think recently, if I get right, they, I think they buy MGM or something. And it's like, anyone that could have predicted that, genius, because I couldn't have seen that coming. It's, but it shows what is possible and how fast, how fast something can change and disrupt our world. That we take, how, how many of us take that for granted today? You know, yeah. Prime and, and Netflix, we take for granted. Uber, we take for granted. Um, Airbnb, they all disrupted and came out with totally new concepts. Again, 20 years ago, if someone had said, well, there's going to be this web applica- application, right? And, you, and you're going you're gonna to rent out your house and people will come and stay in yours and you'll go and stay in others like it's a hotel. Really? That ain't going to take off, is it? You know, there would have been scepticism. But people had the pioneering thoughts to no, we can do this, and technologies enable it to happen, right? So, yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think that, um, I, I think that many of these organizations, their disruption is what creates tomorrow's opportunity and success, and we've heard those things. Um, w- what are you seeing? down the pipeline i mean you, again your 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 background is not just in in technology um and coding right you're an award-winning salesperson of it so we're going to get to that but i just want to pick your brain you've been in the industry you've been a part of it for so long w- what's coming next what's the crazy thing that we all would have said no way to before and maybe our listeners right now will say that's crazy but the podcast will live long enough to where someone will say well, well, dang, uh, that, that was something they talked about. What's the next thing in technology and cloud and innovation that we, we, we can't even think of? What's coming? Yeah, some of the stuff I've seen, there's lots of interesting stuff where it's a convergence of what's available today, but it's the application of it. So let, let me tell you an interesting one. So my wife's a firefighter, right? So, so, so this example is out there on the web, so it's not that I've pioneered it, but it's out there. It's been a prototype, but not many people have heard of this. So... For example, I saw a fantastic example of, you know, it, it, fighting fires dangerous. So here's an example, and the video is on there on YouTube somewhere you can find where they turn up. Here's a fire. It's all prototype. They open a, a suitcase type thing. They've got open it up, and like 40, 30, 40 mini drones all fly in, and they fly into that building that's on fire. Like there's no one controlling them. They're autonomous. And they've got what's called a hive brain. They're all communicating with each other and back to, 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 to outside via the cloud to an application. And what they do is they fly into that building. And this is, this is real. This isn't theory. Um, and they, they map the building out, right? They detect where the heat is. They look for heat. They've got heat sensing cameras. They fly around the building, all autonomous. They map the building out right now. Not the plans, but what's happening right now. Where are the hot spots? Where are human beings shown? And outside, the firefighters can immediately see, do we need to go in and rescue anyone? Because why, why, why are we going in to search the building if there's no one in there and, and putting our own lives at risk? Or where is the entry point? Where do we go in that's safe rather than going in and figuring it out while we're in there? What if someone basically knew all that information within not many, you know, 60 seconds, a minute or two, you've now got 
all of that intelligence to make smart decisions about saving lives. What a use of technology, cloud, drones, AI, bang. And it's all, it's all there today. It's just putting it into application, right? So uh, the other one I saw with, with drones and this type of stuff was, you know, we, we're used to the, uh, the rubber ring by the sea to rescue people, but there's a drone. So if someone's farther out, rather than someone trying to get out to them and taking time to get out to them as a rescuer, how fast can a drone get there and drop that ring right over them? Way, way quicker. And what if it can do it automatically by detecting it and, and automatically going out that someone's in trouble to the precise thing using AI technology without having to have a pilot sat there waiting for the pilot to turn up, power it up. And stuff like that, right, which is life-changing. Mm. And it's, av- it's there now and it's affordable. That's the, that's the real interesting thing, I think, is how are we going to see what we already know exists, right? Drones, AI technology cloud computing and you know incredible computing power all this stuff that's incredibly affordable today compared to how it was 10 20 years ago what applications are going to be used to change the way we do things and make them better and it's going on now and and we're going to see lots of stories of this over the next 10 years it's exciting right it's it's what we saw in movies 10 15 years ago is becoming true a lot of it's becoming true yeah, you know, and it seems like it's happening more rapidly, right? I mean, the the introduction of one or two cool things or one or two theories that turn into reality are now turning into five and six at a time, 10 at a time. It, it's moving so quick, the compounding effect of technology and, and affordability and access. Um, you know, there is, I, we, we've had a lot of financial advisors on the program in the past and and they'll talk about there's tipping point when there's when there's enough investment, there's this this when the ball gets over the hill, then it's then momentum does the rest of the work. Then yeah. then earning money becomes yeah. effortless almost. And and I feel like we're 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 seeing that in technology as well. Um, our guest today, Ian Moyes, Chief Revenue Officer of One Up Sales. Uh, multi-time awarded professional on the program today. I want to ask you a few questions that are right up your alley, though. These are some of the areas that you speak to, uh, that you're brought in, uh, that, 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 that you really breathe life into. And so here's the first one. I want to ask you some questions. What are some communication mistakes in selling, right? Because we could talk about technology all day. Your passion is pretty evident and, and, and it's a passion of mine. But I know that we've got some sales professionals listening to the program. We've got some young folks that are um, that, that are saying, I, there's no cap on my earning potential, but, but I just can't seem to get more sales closed. And it doesn't matter what the hell they're selling. The common denominator of sales, uh, you know, it just, it, it doesn't care what your industry is. So what are some of the communication mistakes that people are making in sales today that's getting in the way of their, their earnings? Beautiful. Right. So passions of mine, and, 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 and this, crikey, where can I take this? Let's start with this one. So communicate and, and this is this is very pertinent coming out of, out of the pandemic communication versus conversation right if you're a salesperson and i catch people doing this and i've said and i've been guilty of this right we all are um is com- confusing communication for conversation so i i will often talk to a salesperson right? I go, well h- how are you getting on with uh prospective customer abc and 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 you know uh, what's the latest and they go, oh, I, I chatted to them yesterday and, and, and this X, Y, Z, they said this and whatever. Great. What I've learned is to say, when you say chatted, w- 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 
you, what you spoke to them. And the number of times, particularly from millennials who've grown up with this technology, so I'm not having to go at millennials, but just reality here, it, it's habitual behavior, where they'll go, oh, no, 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 I, we emailed each other back and forth. Right. That is not a conversation. That, so chatted, in my view, is a conversation. I, okay, I misinterpreted what you meant, but I've asked the question. Too often people are doing this, they're hiding behind keyboards because the pandemic has accelerated this because you've been sat at home remotely and it's very easy to have your Netflix on in background or your kids running around and think, well, yeah, if I'm on the phone, there's noise and distractions, I'll email them. Well, that's not the same, right? And, and this, this, this impacts another piece I talk about, which is rapport versus relationship. Because if you want to build a lot of rapport to become a relationship with someone, therefore to be more trusted and to have better conversations and to share more with each other and have more value that you give each other, then it's a lot easier to build that rapport like we are now, Titus, with a conversation. Here, even better, we're talking, we can see each other right away, although it's audio, but with video, you build rapport quicker that way than if I drop you a faceless email and you're not getting my, my you're not getting my humor, you're not asking, you're not interjecting me and going, oh my gosh, Ian, that was interesting. What about? You're not chit-chatting, you're not seeing the backgrounds of your office and going, oh, I like the teddy bear you got there. Is, is, you know, is that for the kids or whatever? You're not getting your kids running in and going, oh yeah, this is my, you're not built, you're basically stat- hiding behind. Imagine this, right? You get 10 emails from 10 people. What's the difference? How do you judge they're different, right? Because it's black and white text on paper mm. on, on the screen. If you'd speak to people, you, 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 you get a feel for it, right? Do you like this person? Do you trust them? Um, you get that human interaction. So I say to my salespeople, here's number one, right? Choose, ch- choose when you should speak to someone. If it's just, um, Titus, just confirming we are on for the, uh, for the meeting tomorrow at 10 o'clock, that's fine as an email or a text message or whatever, right? That, that, that fits. But if it's you've just said to me, Ian, you know, I, I like what we've got here, but I want to just, you know, what what about the commercials? Can we give me a proposal if we did this differently? How many salespeople just, well, okay, I'll just answer that and send it over as opposed yeah. to as opposed to reach back. And what they'll say to me is, yeah, but I can't just phone them. OK, but you can email them back saying thank you so much, Titus, for, for asking that question. Um, to better answer it, it, it'd be better if we jump on a call. When's better? It, it is, is 10 o'clock tomorrow morning or, or, or 3 o'clock on Monday better for you? Yeah. Right? And that's Smart. another one I talked about, which is called changing the channel. You don't have to reply on the same channel the customer deals with. You don't, because they email you, you don't have to, you're not locked into, oh my God, I've got, you send me a WhatsApp message, I guarantee most people reply on WhatsApp. They do. It's habitual, right? We all do it. If you get a Facebook direct messenger, you don't send them a WhatsApp message. You reply where they sent it from. It's logical. I get it. But it doesn't mean it's right. If you've got a customer complaint come in through a Twitter DM, don't Twitter DM. Twitter DM them back saying, thank you so much for the feedback. When can we please speak with you? Right? Because if I speak to you and you're an angry customer on a keyboard warrior on Twitter, I virtually guarantee the majority of people, when you jump on and you talk to me and I'm nice as pie and I go, Titus, I'm so sorry for, for the experience you seem to have had. Help, help me understand how this has happened and what, you, what, what we need to do to get you happy. You're probably not shouting at me now because hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. What, why am I shouting at Ian? What's he done? Because when you do it on, on electronically, it's a faceless thing, right? 
you're shouting. It's a car that's just cut you up. You're beeping at them. It's not it's not little granny who, who is rushing to the hospital because you don't yeah. know that it's a faceless vehicle. When you make it human, people behave differently. Most people are decent to other humans when they relate to them as another human. And yet, why are so many salespeople doing X percent over over email? Mm. Pick up the phone. I do it all the time. I stop myself. It's so easy to go reply. And I go, because it's lazy. It's easy, right? It's easy. It's out of my inbox. That's it. That's reply it. Reply and say, let's talk about this. And I just had a sales guy, funny enough, talk to me just now, one of my teams saying, et cetera, et cetera. They've asked for this. And, I, and before I'd say it, he said, you're going to want to speak to them, aren't you? I said, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know they've said, I, they've asked for it, but I want to discuss it because I don't know all the facts. And it's a conversation of how we get somewhere together, not I just give you my thoughts on it and see if you like it or not. That's one yeah. sided. Let's talk about it. What, what, can we do a call tomorrow morning? Let's do it. Ian, I, I talk to clients about um, communication all the time. And, and one of the things I'll say to salespeople is, why would you ever go into a fight with less bullets in your gun? I, I just don't understand. Why would you get into a battle? You know, that's what it is. I mean, it, it is a, um, I want you to do something and, and you want to do uh, something different, right? So that we have instant conflict. And if I'm going to yeah. go into any conflict, any scenario where there is a conflicting desires, why would I go in with less tools, with less ammunition, with less weapons? If I actually want to win the fight, why would I do that? And so when I leave out verbal and body language and tonality and facial expressions and all of those things, I mean, I feel like it's such an uphill battle and, and we make it hard for ourselves. And, and, and you hit it on the head when you, I, our viewers, they're only going to hear the audio. They're, they didn't see my head going up and down when you said it's laziness, but man, are you right about that? So here's my, my follow-up question. As a as a not only an award winning sales professional but as a leader of people that sell, how do our sales managers listening right now say, "Okay, you're right, Ian. We we've got to we've got to correct this communication mistake." But how the hell do I get my team to stop being lazy? Right? I mean, they want to make money. That's all they they ask for raises. <laughs> they want to close sales. How do we get them to quit being lazy in this area, Ian? It's coaching, right? It's coaching and engagement, right? So so it, it's. What I take my guys through is not you need to do this. It's why I talk them through. So, for example, I'll talk them through, you know, it is an example. Is, is, is how many times go, you want to have a relationship with a customer. If you have a relationship, you, you, you're likely to be more trusted and get more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So don't just call things a relationship. Let me give you the example. I walk up to someone on the street. Titus, you're walking down the street. You don't know me from, from, from anyone. Uh, and I just, just excuse, excuse me, sir. Excuse me. I hope you don't. Uh, would you have the time? You're going to probably give me the time, right? I've asked politely, I smile, and I just want the time. I'm not asking for a lot, and I've been polite about it. So I've, I've given you enough rapport to get back the small thing I'm asking for. Done. Now another scenario. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. You got $10. I need $10. Have you got $10? Guess what your most people's reaction is? It isn't, well, why do you need it? It's, I'll get away from me, right? It's because what I'm asking you for is far greater than any rapport we've got. If you if you knew me, and I asked for ten dollars in the street, say, oh, sorry, how are you doing? I'm really dead. I need I need ten dollars urgently. You go, oh, oh, what's what's up? Oh, I've got to get home. I've got I lost my wallet and my taxi. My kids ill. You're going to go in sort it out later. But it's ten dollars because you know me enough. You 
what I'm asking for, I've earned the right for, the rapport's there. That's a generic thing, right? It's not. So what I say to salespeople is you got to think about the logic. If you're coaching people, explain it to them in a way. So I say, look, tell them things like that. Tell them, look, you've got a piggy bank on your desk. Don't you? Can you take $50 out of that piggy bank if you haven't put stuff in? Well, no, of course you can't. Right. So every time you speak to the customer, you're putting little coins in that. You're putting you're putting rapport coins, money in that piggy bank. Right. The more rapport you build, the more you've got in there, the more you can ask to pull out. Don't ask them for a $50 favor if you've only put 10 cents in the jar because it ain't going to work. Mm, that's that's what you're doing when you when you, that's what a lot of you are doing. And people don't get it explained to them in a way they go, oh, yeah, I never thought of it that way. Right. Now it resonates. What's the behaviors we need to do? Great. Well, to get more piggyback, more coins in, if you send someone an email and it's polite and nice and helpful and it's responsive and it's quick, yeah, you might put a few coins in. If you if you speak to them and it's on video and you chat to them and their kid runs in and they introduce them, you go, oh, my God, I've got a daughter. How old's your daughter? Oh, and if you have that type of stuff, which you're not going to do on email, mm. if you have that type of stuff, how many coins go in that piggy bank? Is it more or less than, than that email that went back and forth? Well, it's more, isn't it? It's obvious. But, but yes, that's why you need to have more conversations because it's more human. It builds more rapport. Having more rapport leads to relationship. The closer you get to relationship, the more you'll get out of it, the more you'll help each other, the more honest you'll be, the more open you'll be with each other. I'll ask, you know, I'll get on calls with senior people and I won't just start off at the beginning, but by earning the right, I'll get to the point very quickly where I'm challenging them with, with you know, not soft questions, hard questions. And why, why, why are you going to do business with us? Because from what I'm hearing, there's some blockers here. Is that important to you? I'm asking hard questions, which you can't do on bleeding email, to be blunt. Yeah, yeah. What am I going to do? Send you a list of questions, and then you're, you're going to read them and go, why am I answering that? Yeah. Right. I'm not yeah. gauging your response. I'm not seeing you nod like you do, right? I'm not seeing if there's a smirk or a smile. It, you know, I want to see people, because if I say, yeah, some people like this about what we do, and some people don't like this in the product, but let me let me try you. It does this. And if you smile and smirk and nudge the colleague next to you in your video meeting, yeah, it gives me a code goes, oh, is that is that a like then? If yeah. I'm not seeing you, it's on email. I have no clue. You don't, you don't know where to lead. You don't know where to lean in. And, yeah. and, and if you give them five, six, seven questions, you may have not have asked question number two or question number four based on how they responded to question one, right? You, you would have known which route or route to take. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I want to, I want to ask you, I've got more questions though. I, I we're, we're, <laughs> we're time's going by and I want to make sure that we get a few more things in here. Um, I want to ask you, um, you know, what about social selling, right? You're, yep. you're already kind of touching on it a little bit. You're talking about relationship development. You're talking about, oh, I've got daughters. Uh, how old are yours? I mean, you're kind of getting in there a little bit. Um, I keep trying to tell people that, that the studies are pretty clear on this. The, the rate in which someone says yes goes up. The profitability of the sale generally goes up. The rate in which they require free add-on extra or discounts goes down. Um I think the math and science is somewhat clear that when there's relationship and there's social, but talk a little bit more, kind of, kind of open up the bottle of wine, let it breathe a little bit on, on social selling. All right. So firstly, it's called the wrong thing. And, and the reason I say that is because it leads people to believe it's something it isn't. Social selling is not selling 
over social media and the number of people I've had say, oh, we couldn't sell our product or service over the web like that. Guys, that's not what it's about. It's just, it's just a nice name for it, right? What it really is, is using social media as a way to engage with another human being that should lead you to a real world conversation at some point, right? Um, it's about using social media because it's there as another tool in your sales kit bag. It does not replace the sales process. It does. Uh, it doesn't change how, how you get a market, right? So, so here's an example, right? If if I'm going to talk to well, every time one of my sales guys said, "Oh, we 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 had a conversation," and, and now they get fed up with me doing this because they'll start getting really excited, we had a fantastic conversation with with oh my god, they got this, and they start rattling it off, and I'm and I'm going slow down, right? Who? What's the name? Who's the person? Right? Okay, hold on a sec. I'm and I'm going slow down because I'm looking them up on LinkedIn, right? I'm, I want to see. Who are we talking to? How long have they been with that business? If, they, if they've been there 12 years, right? Boy, they're going to be embedded in that business. They'll understand the business processes that we listen to. If they've been there one month, it's different. It doesn't, it doesn't blindly tell you something, but it, it tells you it's more information. And then I want to say, you know, oh, I'm connected to them. I've just spoke to someone this afternoon. Titus, look at this, right? Someone this afternoon who I used to know as a customer wanted a favor, some advice about something that I've got knowledge on. So we agreed a call. And so I'm checking him out. I know him already, right? But I'm still checking him out. What's changed? What's new? Where is he now? And what seconds within the call I'm chatting to, I said, oh, my gosh, is so-and-so your, your, your chairman? He went, yeah. I went, I've known him for, two oh, my gosh, hang on a minute. I need to look it up. I've known him for, crikey, 25 years. He went, you're kidding. I went, no. Oh, my God, we go way back. I could phone him up now. Not a problem at all. Humbly, what a coincidence. But if I hadn't looked, I wouldn't have figured that out. He wouldn't have figured it out. It changes the combat. You know, there's so many things. It's not just who you're connected to. It's where did they go? to? Did you go to the same school together? I've, I've had it before where a salesperson said, look, I want you to come to this meeting with me. And here's the information about it. Yeah, but I did my homework. And said to him, great, I'll tell you. So in the meeting, here's the shock that the salesperson got, right? Because the meeting started and I sat and I said, so to the customer, you, you two guys, you two guys, who's following who? My sales guy was like, didn't know what was going on. Right? I said, who's following who? And they knew. They knew. And they said, oh, you spotted. I went, yeah, yeah. Because they've worked together. If you looked at their profiles, three times in their career, they've been at the same companies over the last 20 years. Three. Mm. What a conversation. And we spent 15 minutes then talking about that and them explaining, oh, and joking about it. I, the rapport was there, right? Afterwards, my sales guy said to me, oh, my God, what the? How simple was that? But I spotted it and you didn't because mm. it wasn't on one LinkedIn profile. You had to look at both and you had to use your brain to correlate. And I call this, you, you, I've spoken about this before. It's a moniker I came up with a number of years ago. I call this being Sherlock, right? You don't want to be Lestrade. You want to be Sherlock. Lestrade walks into a room. He walks into a social profile, a sales situation. And Lestrade looks at the things around the room and says the butler did it. Sherlock Holmes comes into exactly the same room, access to the same information. But he's smarter. He looks, he, he takes more notice. He says, now, I've spotted seven things you haven't, Lestrade. Can't, the butler couldn't have done it because duh, 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 duh. What? You want to be Sherlock in a sales situation, because if I know, if I can spot, identify, figure out 10, 20 more things than you can as a salesperson, I am better armored to either win that customer or 
qualify out sooner because I know stuff. I figured out stuff to ask. And, and what I've seen has informed me and made me smarter to ask different questions that you as another sales rep haven't asked. Therefore, I've, I've discussed with the customer and I'm, I might be I'm out of here, right? We're not right together. I've figured it out. You as the other salesperson in a different company spend the next three months going after that business and you lose it. Who's the smart mm. one? Because I figured out right at the beginning, because I figured out and I got more information by social selling and figuring it out, which led to better questioning and more questions that I knew way more than you did. And I made the right decision because I was more informed. And it's not rocket science, right? It's behavioral. You've got to make this habitual. We can all do it. You said about salespeople want to do better. Well, it's all small marginal things that you can all do if you choose to do them and put the effort in to do it. How, how, do you, how do you get someone to have that drive? Because what you're talking about is simple, easy, direct, linear uh, for someone that has drive, right? I mean, a, a vehicle with all the bells and whistles, but no motor doesn't really get very far. And so it's only perhaps a direct line and, and simplistic um, only in the scenario where the equation includes drive and, and motivation. So when someone's lacking those things, can they still be a dynamic sales professional? Uh, or are those uh, core elements without those, you can't do all the stuff you're talking about? If, if you haven't got, let's be blunt, right? If you, in my opinion, if you haven't got drive in sales, passion for what you're doing, either you're in the wrong company or selling the wrong product or service, or you shouldn't be in sales, right? Because sales is ups and downs, right? Do I lose deals? Yes. Does it frustrate me? Yes. Do you find there's situations where you're not the right thing to sell to the customer and you wish you were? Yes. That's reality, right? You're not going to go through sales where it's all smooth sailing and you don't get disappointment. You don't put a load of work in and for whatever reason, the customer, you know, the customer decides to do nothing. They defer the project. There wasn't enough compelling value. Did you do a bad job as a salesperson, not spotting that sooner, building the value? Maybe, you know, but that's the reality. And if you can't be driven and pick yourself up again and again and again, infinitely and be tenacious and be driven and passionate to go. If you if you think it's a nine to five and I just turn up and I turn the wheel. Yeah, you won't be super successful at it. You won't make the money that's potential in sales. You won't break the barriers because your drive's not there. It's like if you're a professional, I don't, I'm not a sports person, right? But if you're a professional footballer and you just turn up and kick the ball around a bit, but you're not really, you're not, you don't turn up to training. Um, you know, you're not, you're not exercising. It's just a game. I, I don't really care whether we win or not. How successful are you going to be? You're going to be on the bench or not on the team at all. Right? Yeah. So it's a competitive game by nature. And if you don't do it, someone, and the customer will feel it. Here's the worst thing. If you're not driven and passionate and excited, I've had customers say, you love this, don't you? You love, you really like this. Yeah, they can feel it. Yeah. They can feel it based on how you talk, which is, again, if you, I tell you what, if, if you're not passionate about it and you don't care, definitely email your customer because if you speak to them, they're going <laughs> to figure it out, right? They're going to know you don't care and That's they're going to figure it out anyway. So you might as well hide behind something and, and, and have, to, have your strategy as hope that you might win something. And you'll win some, but you, you won't be particularly successful. And then you'll complain about, well, I'm not earning much, but it's because of my territory. It's because of the product. Well, do you know what? I've had bad territories, bad products, and I've done okay because I'll 
I'll figure out how to do it. Do I need to work extra hours to make up for a bad territory and figure out new? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll do it then because I'm not yeah. going to lose because I'm passionate about it. Right. Yeah. Hey, that might be the best noteworthy. This is the great thing about podcasts. Just hit pause, hit rewind, re-listen to that. If you are not passionate and you don't care and there's not a winning drive, send emails for God's sake. Don't stay away from the dang customer because they're going to feel it. I love that. Um, I got a page of notes already, but that's probably my favorite takeaway so far. We're going to take just a quick break. We're talking with uh, Ian Moist right here on solutions from the huddle. And we want to encourage all listeners uh, just Take a pause, check out team-csg.com and click on the solutions from the huddle uh, tab and learn a little bit about the brands and logos and and companies that stand alongside of this show. Uh, Listen, if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be able to uh, make time to do this and go get great, smart individuals like Ian on the program. So go to team-csg.com, click on solutions from the huddle, and you'll see the brands and logos there. Click on them and it'll take you directly to their websites. Need an oil change quick? Visit Speedy. They'll change your oil and filter, top off your fluids, air up your tires, and get you on your way. Get your vehicle serviced by people who care with locations at 4752 South Boulevard in Charlotte and 1484 Azell Boulevard in Spartanburg. Speedy oil change and auto service for all your vehicle needs. Ian Moise is our guest. It's the only brand I really care about uh, right now. And, and, and I want to learn a little bit more speaking about brand. I want to learn a, bit, a little bit about in the sales cycle and the sales uh, 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 pursuit of excellence and significance, how big of a deal personal branding is, right? Um, we see in today's world, uh, you brought up such a great, elegant point. People are LinkedIn, Facebooking, uh, they are doing their research uh, after you send a proposal to somebody, they, uh, if you don't think they're not going to a website, if you don't think they didn't look at you on social media, if you don't think the customer doesn't already know 50 to 70% about the stuff you do before you talk to them, you're crazy, right? So in today's world, how big of a deal is personal branding, Ian? And, and how do we make it work for us, not against us? Yeah, and it's funny the way you describe that made me think back of, I remember the day, this is like a Monty Python sketch, but I remember the day when I, I, I'd visit customers early on in my career and there wasn't the wet internet. There was the internet, right? But there wasn't the World Wide Web. So, and, and so they'd say, Ian, t- tell me about your company, your products, your services. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Because there's, what, how else would they know? You know, that's changed. That is, that is changed. They, they not only know about you, they know what other people think about you through peer reviews. You know, it's B2B, there's, G, there's G2, there's Captera. If it, it's, how many of us don't, you know, you're going to go and view a movie. How many of us on our mobile phone? Um, there's an app. Oh, that looks interesting. And you look at the star rating and, and it's a 59 cent app, right? But you look at the star rating and it's two and you, th- and you read the reviews. Really? You couldn't do that before, but we do. We all do it, right? You look at peer reviews. They're people you don't know, but you make judgments. Same on Amazon. Like you buy something, you have a quick look at the star. Oh, oh, what's this supplier like? Because you can. So that's what we have at our fingertips now, 24-7, any device, anywhere. You can find stuff out. So personal brand, it, it, you know, it's a personal uh, it, it is of interest to me because I fell into social selling years ago. And the only reason I fell into that was trying to figure out how do I stay relevant to a buyer where the buyer dynamic has changed and they behave differently. Oh, what's this social stuff? And through doing that, I realized exactly what you said. If you go to view them, there's a good chance they'll come and view you. And if they come and view you and you don't look good and professional, it's 
the, the first impression now often is digital. I came from the world where it was, well, you're going to meet someone the first three minutes, the first 30 seconds, all those statements we've heard, the first 60 seconds, people decide if they like you and, and a firm handshake and, and shiny shoes and dress appropriately and turn up on time. And well, guess what? The first impression today, more often than not, is digital. Because they've checked you out beforehand, maybe before they've even spoken to you. Right? I described how I do it with prospects before I've spoken to them. Who, who are we talking to? Who, who is it? And, and who are they connected to? And, and what, what do they share content on? And what do they post about? And what do they believe in? And, and I'm not. And what I'm looking for is authentic connection. Right. That's the key. Authentic. Right. So if I look you up, Titus, and, and, and we're about to have a conversation and you're a prospective customer. And I see that, well, actually, that's your LinkedIn. Great. But I'll check out. Oh, there's a Twitter profile. What do you do? Oh, you tweet all the time about 17th century architecture. Well, I've got no interest or knowledge on that. Right. So, boom. But if you tweet, if you if you I notice from doing so, I look at it and you're let's pick something out of the air uh, uh, and you're running a horror film fan site and write an e-zine on it. And, and it, uh, oh, my God, I love horror films. Isn't there a conversation point for when we speak for me to say, Titus, oh, my gosh, it, it's such a pleasure to speak with you. And, and I hope you don't mind. Oh, my gosh, I saw you. I saw I saw your fa- stuff on your blog and your horror stuff. I love it. I'm, I'm, I, oh, my gosh, I've been a horror festival. I love it. What a great job. Do you not think they're going to be interested? They're going to talk about it. It's their passion. And I'm authentic about it. I'm genuinely interested. And if they say, oh, my gosh, yeah, this new film's going, oh, my God, I know it's got so-and-so. Because I can talk authentically. If it was the architecture thing, and I say, oh, I love your architecture stuff, and I love it, and you then say something, I have no clue what you just talked about. I'm blown. I'm, I wasn't authentic, right? So you have to be authentic, but people will check you out as much as you check them out. And everyone, the number of people say, oh, yeah, I'm not, I, I don't have a personal brand. Yes, you mm. do. Mm. Your personal brand is other people's, what other people say about you and perceive of you when you're not in the room right and that is that is determined based on anything they can see hear find at all and a lot of it today is your social stuff because if you search the internet and say oh and john we're, we're going to see john titan back tomorrow well if you search his name in google and put anything in there there's a good chance it will find them and that their social profiles will typically be near the top because of the ranking and the, and the profile that the social sites have got so they will be near the top, right? If, you, if they've written a blog and they've got a LinkedIn profile, their LinkedIn profile is going to be above the, the blog unless they're super famous. It's going to be. Yeah. So they're going to find you and they're going to find stuff about you. Would it, would it, if you believe when you meet someone, you want to make a good first impression, turn up on time, be dressed appropriately, talk professionally, shake their hand, be polite, that, that works, right? You get that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So why don't you care about your digital profile? Because that's probably what they're going to see first. And people don't. They don't think about the photo they use. They don't think about make it personal. You look at my profile and I tell you now the content will piece we'll talk about on LinkedIn. Uh, it's something like at age 14. We started there, right? At, at age 14, I got in com- into computing because of that. Da, 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 da. It's me. Yeah. It's a bit of color. It's a bit of let people feel it's you. Yeah. Let your guard down a bit, make it interesting for them, make it engaging, make it that it, I want people to go, yeah, I checked you out on that. And, and yeah, you see, oh my gosh, you've got that award or uh, you've got some, rev- you've got reviews on there. You know, you can get your own reviews. 
going to, you know, I've got a lot of, of reviews because throughout my career, I twigged anytime someone says, oh, my God, you did that presentation. I really enjoyed your, 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 your talk today. Uh, and, and that can I talk? And I'll say, I'm really pleased. Oh, no, it's one of the, it was fantastic. I've learned so much. Can I connect with you? Yeah. And if you don't mind, you really enjoyed it that much. Yeah. If you don't mind, pop a recommendation on. Right. Why not? Yeah. Well, you did, Ian, as a customer, you did such a fantastic job for us. And, and the way you were so honest and, and turning that down, telling us you couldn't do it, your team, give me a reference. Put it on LinkedIn. Yeah. I'm not trying to get a job. Put it on there because that's my calling card, right? That is my Amazon reviews. That is yeah. my star rating. I wish, I wish in a way LinkedIn would do that, right? Do a star rating and not just do that because I've got lots of reviews, but it's not, there's no summary to say, what does this mean? yeah but do it it's your calling and it's yours here's the beauty it is yours it's not your company's it goes with you through your career so if you're listening to this as a younger entrepreneur millennial etc z generation if you do it now i've been doing that um, i i fell into linkedin and, and, and realizing this about 10 years ago and i have cultivated and watered and nurtured that profile for 10 years people look at it now and go oh my gosh there's so much content and, and stuff you've done. And, and, oh, my gosh, you've got 400 recommendations on there. You go and check them. They're customers, employers, people I've spoken at events for. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. I've, done it, I've done it slowly. I've just kept doing it. It's a habit. And that's mine, right? It's mine, and it's there now. And it will be there in five years' time, ten years' time. It, it will help you more and more and more as you go through your career. The sooner you start it, the better. The sooner you plant that seed and start watering it, the bigger that tree will be in 20 years' time. Yeah, you know, I, I remember, Ian, um, when I, I first came to understand that, um, that the personal brand might be more important than the brand that, of, that I'm selling. Like, so I remember thinking, you know, this product, this brand is so recognizable and people are researching it. And, and that's really what's most important. And then when I, in my sales career, went to some different place and represented some different brand, I realized that the same folks that bought from me before, they now wanted to buy this new thing that they knew nothing about, but, but they were comfortable because they knew me. And I realized that I'm, no matter where I go, I'm right there. <laughs> I'm going to be a part of the equation. My product and service may change, but, but I'm going to be the constant. And so I remember when I realized how important that was. And, and when I stopped selling products and services, you know, my, my only way that I feed my family is through coaching and speaking and, and I write books. And so I became the product and service. And, and I said, oh, wow, they have... They, they're, they're not going to, when I talk to them, they're not going to be like, we already know the specs on the device, or we already know the reviews that the team comes out and does a good job doing the service. Like now it's before I talk to them, they go, we've already looked at you. Like we know what you do. And so yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more of how just vital. In fact, I, I don't know that there's a single more important thing, because if we make personal branding important enough, we'll make better decisions maybe by not posting the nonsense that we might've posted on social media or, or the, the statements that we not that we don't want to be genuine and authentic, but, but that we realize, wait a minute, folks are looking, folks are paying attention. This is a part of the equation. And, and I can't have my personal brand work against me. That sure. That surely doesn't make sense. I remember when I came to that. Yeah. 
I'm going to say there's been enough negative, right? I don't know about your, with yourselves over there, but you know, there's been cases recently in the UK where there was, there was one last year, I think it was about a year ago, where a newsreader, a professional BBC newsreader of about 30, 40 years, you know, a stalwart name that we all knew, and they found a post years ago, and it, and it, it was missing. I genuinely think it was misinterpreted, but the times are different, and, and read it, and it, it lost him his job because. But it was like going back years, right? And how many, there's many cases of this where people are like, hang on a second, what's this? And people find it and go, well, yeah. that was your opinion. But yeah, but you've, you, you've basically published it to the world and it's part yeah. of your personal brand. That's what people think you stand for. And if it's genuinely that and you're standing by it, well, that's fine. It's your, it's your prerogative, but it has sure. an impact. People will judge you. It's the same as, you know, I always, I always describe <laughs> going to a horror film festival back to that and and me and my friend and we turn up and, it, and it's all bikers and leathers and, and tattoos and and we felt we didn't feel comfortable in it it was like stereotyping right humans do it and it was sure. like crikey crikey we, 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 we i think we're dressed wrong for this and oh and they were the loveliest people and chatted you know and there was no there was no reason but it, it felt like we were, we were in with hell's angels gang and that wasn't our style. And we thought, oh, my gosh. And it's late <laughs> at night in a random dodgy place. This horror film festival is being had. But we make those first impressions and people make judgments. Whether you, I say to people, it's not whether it's right or not, but people make micro decisions. Yeah. They do, right? They see someone walk in. You know, women do it. They see someone walk in with hardly any clothes on to an, an event which it, it's not appropriate to. And they'll whisper and go, oh, my gosh, can you see what she's wearing? Right, it's it's not personal. It's an immediate reaction of it's their opinion, their yeah. their background. It's what they think. Well, if you if you do that on social media, that stuff's going on, and people say, "Well, I've never had anyone. It's never done me any harm." Well, you don't know unless yeah. someone's unless someone's told you. Well, it's never done me any harm getting a job. I've never never not got a job because of because of that. Well, okay, how do you know? All you know is you didn't you didn't get to the shortlist or something. You don't know that that behind the scenes they didn't go. Yeah, don't don't like their tone of this or or, that, or the, it doesn't look very professional. They don't seem to be up with the modern game. Their their profile yeah. five is out of date. Who knew? Because yeah. they're not going to. Most people don't tell you, so you don't know that. Assume that you need to do the best, and you can't yeah. get caught out. Don't be lazy about it, and and it doesn't cost you anything. All these platforms are free, right? It's just a bit of time and effort and caring. Yeah. You know, I, I agree. I think, I think so many clients and customers, they don't run to Yelp or Google to, to voice their discontent. They just never come back. Right? They just, that's how they tell you by not talking to you ever again. Um, and, I, and, I, and I couldn't agree with you more. I, I tell people this and, and, and we'll close the show this way. I want to ask your opinion, but you, know, you talk about being authentic. I tell a lot of people that I care about and a lot of clients that seek the advice that um, you really need to come to terms with your own non-negotiables. Like, like this is me. Um, this is what I represent personally, professionally, economically, socially, politically, whatever. The, these, are the, these are the things that make me me. Um, and, and I'm willing to um, be so thoughtful and others focused and represent myself in a way that's endearing and charming and accept, so acceptable. But this right here is a non-negotiable 
You know, I like I'm not going to not wear the color red because I don't want to affect like I, I like I, I, I want to do well. But these are the things that, you know, uh, matter a whole lot to me. And, and I and, and I don't want to offend people and I don't want to lose opportunities in life. But I also want really to like be me. So there's this fine line between I think where the world says you just got to accept me the way I am. I, I have a bit of a concern about that. I go sometimes we'll we'll tuck your shirt in sit up straight and, and, you know, uh, maybe, maybe be understanding of what the other person's wants and needs are. And don't just make everyone have to bend to whatever, uh, mindset that you have. But there's also this part where I go, there has to be a couple non-negotiables where you go, this is me. You know, I've had a few folks, we've done 500 plus episodes uh, of this show. Uh, and I've had one or two big celebrity named people that said, Hey, that spot you do in the beginning, that, that four and a half second prayer, if you'll knock that off, uh, I'll come on the show. And I go, sorry. And they go, but you sure you don't, I got 5 million followers on social media. You don't want me on your show. And I go, I do want you on my show, but that's just one of the four non-negotiables that's on my piece of paper. I I believe in the platinum rule. I don't want to make people, I don't want to treat people the way I want to be treated. I want to treat them the way they want to be treated, but I I still need, the only way I keep the authenticity that you were talking about, Ian, is with some of these non-negotiables, not in a political soapbox. You got to be with me, you know, bullish way but in a way that makes me feel comfortable with who I am. So I tell salespeople and I tell business owners that all the time, but I want to close the show with your thoughts. And you may say it's all rubbish. Forget everything Titus just said, screw that. Um, and I'm okay. I'm okay to be vulnerable and, and tee you up to, to knock me off that soapbox. But what do you think about somebody uh, having some of those non-negotiables, knowing who they are and etching out the no, boundaries? I it, it's, you said the word that I use, right? It's, authentic, it's authenticity. Right. But there's you've got to think there's always a version. There's things you'd say to your friends, you know, at a restaurant or a bar or whatever. And you chat about that. You're not going to publish on the Internet. Right. There's 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 a professional you. But but it's about being authentic. I'm authentically me talking to you here. But um, for example, for example, do I swear? Well, not profusely, but yeah, I swear. You know, I'm human, but I'm not going to swear on something like this. Or in a business meeting, because it's not necessary and it's not appropriate. It, yeah. it doesn't fit the area. But I'm still being authentic, right? I, Great I point. don't need to. I don't need to go. Oh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna swear or or, or, or do something <laughs> to, to be, but because I don't know you, right? And I don't know how that might offend you. So I'm being authentic, but also respectful. If I know you and we relax and we get to know each other and relax, and it's a neighbour or something. And, and you know, yeah, it's acceptable. Then you might you might swear occasionally, right? You might say something. Again, it's the same as if you're in the car and the kids are there. You might swear at another driver who cut you up when you're on your own, but you know you think differently when the kids are sat in the back. Yeah, great point. It's that, to me, it's that type of barrier, right? It's not about not being authentic, but to, to your point, yeah. There's, if you've got things that no, this this is the way I need it to be. You should. You can't change everything to fit every you can't play what's the old line you can't you can't please everyone i'm going to get it wrong now you can't please everyone every time oh it's a bad bad quote right but you know the one i mean yeah no i know what you mean yeah the jfk one um badly yeah. badly requoted but you can right but the, but you can toe the line of there's a line of within within these two you know these two barriers 
that we stay within, that you can be respectful, professional, um, authentic, um, and genuine, right? It, I say to my salespeople, right, look, we want to win the business and I want you to use your own style, but you've got to be professional, genuine. You've got to be trustworthy. You've got to be ethical. There's, there's, those, those are the, to your point, those are the mantras you, you, don't, you don't go away from. Yeah. yeah. There's no false promises. There's no lies. There's no disingenuity. Um, yeah. Yeah, be competitive. Yeah, do all the, do all the stuff, be behaviors but they stay within these mantras. These mantras do not go. You know, you don't suddenly go, well, well I'm in this deal, so, so therefore I can be disingenuous or, or I can bend the truth of it. No, you can. Or I can do something illegal. No, you can. Those are the things that are in, in brick. Yeah. Right? They have to be. They have to be. So, yeah, no, I totally agree. Totally Concrete. Uh, I want to make sure that we give the audience the opportunity to know about the, the product that you represent, that you... Uh, it's a great product for sales professionals. So could you tell us just a little bit as we close out the show about one up and, uh, and, and please make sure, give us the websites, give us the contact, give us the next steps. Cause some of the audience may say, I, I want to have a chat with this guy. I, I want to maybe buy his product or service, or maybe I want to have him do some training and coaching for me. Um, so, so, so tell us about one up, but also let the audience know how they can continue the conversation with Ian directly. Sure, Titus, thank you so much. So, yeah, so I won't do a big product pitch, but very simply, what do we do at One Up Sales? We, we have a cloud-based, there you go, back to cloud. We have a cloud-based technology, which we, we have created. It's ours, which we sell to companies. And what it does for them is it sucks data from systems you've already got, makes it more insightful for your salespeople. So they, it drives the, the good behaviors. They, it gives them more insightful knowledge to replicate what good looks like, do the right things. And it allows you to create league tables and competitions and incentives from your existing data to drive productivity and motivation, which, which and a bit of fun, right? Which, which don't we all need coming out mm. of a pandemic, motivation in sales to, you know, to, to tie it all together. And that's what we do. And we're very successful at that. Lots of businesses, um, you know, sing our praises uh, of the results they get. The thing pays for itself, right? Because you get you get increased sales and revenue and results, and therefore people renew with us. So that's what we do. You can find us at oneupsales.co.uk. Uh, and me personally is your personal branding final tip of the day. You can find me at ianmoyes.co.uk. So I, that will take you to a LinkedIn profile, but it's a nice URL that I own that just redirects to it. So it costs me a couple of bucks a year. And it personalizes. And again, it's another, how do I stand out against the crowd? I love it. Ian uh, Moise, our guest for this episode of Solutions from the Huddle. Uh, man, I can't appreciate more. I'm showing Ian. Not everyone else gets to see this, but here's the page of notes. I hope you guys took a page of notes. I hope you go back and listen again and again. Uh, and that you take some action and maybe make one up a part of your toolbox uh, or a continued conversation with Ian. Ian, Thank you, my new best friend. I hope you come back to the show again in the future. I would love to. Thank you so much. Hey guys, Titus Bartolotta here with Collaborative Solutions Group. I just wanted to say thank you for listening to this episode of Solutions from the Huddle. If you want to hear more episodes and continue supporting our show, simply search for and subscribe to Solutions from the Huddle on any major podcast platform. Thank you again, and we hope you'll join us soon.